Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit or Miss, a baseball podcast hosted by me, Alexandra Aguila. And today we are recording the first episode of the new year, 2024, and I could not be more excited to start off the year with a good Major League Baseball episode. Nothing better than talking baseball, than talking about some trades, some free agent signings, some teams that are surprisingly making moves, and then some teams who are like, what the heck are you doing right now? So we're going to get into all of that. It's pretty exciting. Um, Yeah, I'm so excited for 2024. Um, It's a year that I feel like is going to be good. I I know like everybody kind of says this like every year, like, oh, like 2023 is my year. 2022 is my year. 2024 is my year. But honestly, like I feel like 2024 is going to be a good year. This is a year I graduate high school the year I start college, the year I'm kind of like getting into my groove and like trying to be like more, I don't know what's the word, like also like productive, stay on top of things and just like really work for my future, for my goals and aspirations. So that's what this year is all about for me and I could not think of a better way to start it than with doing something I love and doing something that is really passionate to me, which is this podcast. So Without further ado, let's get into it. We're going to talk about a couple of things today. We're going to hit the Dodgers um, because they have definitely been on top of things this offseason. We're going to talk about Chris Sale, how he leaves Boston, the Mariners trade, the Cincinnati Reds, and Kansas City Royals who seem to be awake this offseason, and then a couple of teams who are in hibernation mode, which is kind of surprising. But we'll get into all of that later Let's start off at the beginning and let's start out with the top team this offseason, the Los Angeles Dodgers. It is without without a doubt, it's already January 3rd that they have pretty much won this offseason. They have signed the two biggest stars on the market, arguably to ever be in Major League Baseball, and one of them hasn't even pitched yet in the Major Leagues. That is Yamamoto and Otani. Now, Is it surprising that the LA Dodgers got these two guys? No, but um, it is surprising to see like the contracts and stuff like that. So let's get into a little bit of that. Let's start off with Shohei. He was the first one to sign with LA. Again, we're not surprised. He signed for $700 million for 10 years. That is a record-breaking Major League Baseball contract. Now, with that comes a lot of like little details and keynotes um, that goes into all of this. Obviously, $700 million is a lot of money, no matter if you're the Los Angeles Dodgers or not. But um, with that, like I said, there are little kinks in his contract that I'm going to go over. I did a lot of research and I tried to figure out kind of what exactly is going on and put things into simple terms. Um, but maybe I missed a few things. Let me know if I did. Uh, tweet at me. My Twitter is in the podcast bio if you're listening on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Um, and it is also, my Instagram is in there too. So if there's anything you guys want to add, please let me know. Please tweet at me and um, yeah, we can get talking. But without further ado, let's get into some details about his contract. Now, he chose to defer 97% of his $700 million contract. So that means he will receive $2 million each year for the next 10 years instead of like 70 million. So that means from 2024 to 2033, $2 million. He will receive $68 million, which is the remainder of his contract, after 
the 10 years are up. So that's 2034 to 2043. Now, the MLB interest rate, which, you know, we always got to have taxes involved, is a 4.43%. So by the time he receives his full paid contract in 2043, in present day terms, it's only going to be technically worth $46 million a year. So that's, and that kind of works like with like inflation and all of that stuff. So like realistically, his contract is only about like $460 million for 10 years. And that's because like we know like as the years go by and as the months and days even, the value of a dollar decreases. So with that, his $700 million right now, is going to be technically just worth like 460 um, when you think look at it that way but in in reality he is getting paid that full 700 million but it's not going to be worth the same so let's get into like what this means for everybody now for the dodgers you can like argue and say it's kind of a bargain i mean like logistically it works out for them because they do have kind of that little gap because they're not paying him in full and he is deferring more than 75% of his contract um, to get more players this offseason. And that's what we saw with Yamamoto and Glass now. So that does give them room to kind of build and shape the team before 2026, which is around the time period where they're going to have to start saving up to pay Otani's whole contract because obviously there has to be a time where you know they step aside and we're like okay hey we gotta put aside this money starting now so that you know by the time his tenures are up we have the money to pay him um but yeah so eventually they are gonna have to pay the whole thing but by only paying two million it does give them room to sign other players this offseason which we've seen that they have done so honestly really good stuff for the Dodgers for Shohei it's really smart for him too. Now you could say like, oh, he's getting scammed, stuff like that. But it's, it's, it's a smart deal. He's still getting the incoming cash flow from endorsements, from brand deals that he has, like with New Balance and everything like that. Like he's on the cover of magazines. So he's getting, he's getting money from there. But then he's also getting what he wants, I guess, like morally and ethically. All that we know that Shohei Otani really wanted was to be on a winning team. Being on the Los Angeles Angels for your whole entire major league career, no matter how much, you know, he said he loved it. And yeah, I do believe that he had a great time and the fans were loyal to him. Um, He had a good time there with Trout, with everybody, with the managers. He built some pretty strong relationships, but you still, you know, kind of miss that that anticipation of winning. We know that the Angels weren't a winning team and haven't been for a long time. And at some point it gets tiring. And I think like like Shohei himself knows the capabilities that he has as a player. You know, he sees what the fans see, what everybody else sees. So it it does get to a point where yeah, like he he wants to be on a winning team and he wants to not only win awards for himself, but be part of a team that wins awards, that wins trophies and wins championships. And that's what he's going to get signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's on a winning team. Like I said, ultimately what he wanted. And really, I think that's like the big win out of this whole entire signing. Um, And in that case, it's really good for Shohei. And also, he's still paying the Japanese taxes um, because he technically doesn't live in LA. So cheaper works out for him. Um, so honestly, when you look at it, like in a, in a whole, like, 
what is that word, holistic version, he's practically living the life. I mean, he's still getting the incoming cash flow that's not going to stop, I believe, anytime soon. The Dodgers still have room to go get other guys. And he's on a team. I mean, this is the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're the biggest team in baseball, no matter if you like it or not. They're the Dallas Cowboys of baseball. You know, it's America's team. All eyes are on LA. It's a huge market. And this is really a good deal, not just for the Dodgers and for Shohei, but for baseball in general. This was honestly, like, whether you like it or not, I'm a Cubs fan. And was I rooting for Shohei to come to Chicago? Of course, yes. But I do know that it was the best scenario for him to end up in LA because of the big stage that it has and the millions of fans that they have as well. So it does bring a wider audience of casual fans who maybe, you know, like baseball, will go to a game, but they're not in it. But now you go to a Dodger game, it's already extraordinary. But then you're going to a Dodger game and you're seeing Shohei Otani, you're seeing Yamamoto, you're seeing Glass now, you're like, whoa, like, this is a whole nother level. And I think that's really good and really benefits baseball. Also, there is a large Asian population in LA as well. So I, like I said, not only does is this a good deal for the Dodgers, for Shohei, but for baseball at whole, this is, I think this is really good because he is the best player in Major League Baseball, whether you like it or not. And for him to be on America's team, I think it's a really good outcome. So that is the whole um, scope of how Otani landed with the Dodgers and the ins and outs of his contract. Again, let me know if I missed anything or if you want to chat about anything. Um, but moving on, let's go with Yamamoto, who was probably the on um, like the second largest free agent. I mean, I don't know if you would count him as a free agent, but the second largest player on the market. Um, he signed with the Dodgers for 12 years, $325 million. Now, that is the richest contract for a pitcher in baseball history, and he's only 25 years old. Now, he this is his first time in the majors. Um, he has racked up a lot of accolades in Japan, that's for sure. Um, so his career numbers in Japan, his ERA ended at a 1.72. A winning percentage of 71%, a win-loss record 75-30, through 9 innings he had 9.2 strikeouts on average, through 9 innings had 2 walks on average, and on average in 9 innings he had 0.3 home runs. That is incredible. Now, is Japanese baseball different than Major League Baseball. Of course, yeah, there's going to be the differences in players and mechanics, all sorts of things like that. But this is like, these numbers are still like like eye-opening and like jaw-dropping. Um, his best pitches are is definitely his fastball. He has a really good curveball and a nasty splitter, but he does need a little bit work on the cutter. Now, having a three-pitch arsenal in that Dodgers lineup is definitely like not like unheard of because of the other pitchers that the Dodgers currently have. But with the stats that he has, it's definitely stuff that you want to look at. Um, talking about his contract, he's going to get $5 million this year. He will get $20 million of his $50 million signing bonus by February 1st and then the remainder by July 1st. 
Um, and then from there on, he will get 10 million in 2025, 12 million in 2026, 26 million in 2027, 28, and 29, and then 29 million in 2030, 2030 and 2031, and then 28 million from 2032 to 2035. Now, with this, since he is a player coming from the Japanese league, the Dodgers will have to pay a posting fee of $50 million and $50 million and $625 to the Oryx Buffaloes of the Jap- Japanese Pacific League. So that's also added on um, into what the Dodgers have to pay. Um, and this puts Yamamoto's acquiring costs at a little bit over $375 million in total. So it's a lot of a lot of numbers in there, but ultimately this still is the richest contract in MLB history for a pitcher. Now, there are opt-outs to his contract difference from Otani. We do know that if Otani does get injured, I think he does get an opt-out. I think there's something in like that. I'm not really sure about that, but I do know for Yamamoto, he does have a couple of opt-out options. Now, because he's a pitcher, obviously he's prone to injuries common right he cannot block any trades but he can opt out of the contract after the end of the season in which he is traded so that works for him he can also opt out of his contract if the subsequent offseason in the subsequent offseason if he is traded after a world series so he has that option too or he can opt out after the 2031 and 2033 world series if he has tommy john surgery or is on the injured list with a right elbow alignment for 134 service days between 2024 and 2029. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's a lot to take in. But basically, the rundown is that if he's hurt or if he gets Tommy John, he has the option to opt out between at during the years of 2031 and 2033 if he is hurt for more than 134 days between the next five seasons. So that's really how that works. Now for the Dodgers, that's the best scenario for them because if he does choose to opt out and if he does get injured, they would gain a $10 million conditional option for 2036 with no buyout if he chooses to opt out. Obviously, um, you know, nobody wants a player to opt out, especially when you have this large of a contract, but that would be the best situation for them. If he is not injured or has Tommy John surgery, he still can opt out after the 2029 and 2031 World Series, regardless. So that might be the more realistic option in all of that opt-out category, but for the most part, he does have a few options in there, which is good and kind of like expected because he is a pitcher, obviously prone to injuries. Now, This is good for the Dodgers because with Otani not pitching this season, Yamamoto will definitely come in handy. Now, we know that Otani will not be pitching this season. He'll just be a DH. Obviously, him, he's a really key part of that rotation and obviously a main factor of why the Dodgers pursued him and any other team that was in the running. Um, But definitely, Yamamoto is a big help with that. Uh, Again, another signing that was expected. Something to look out for. 
pitching in the U.S. is different, so I won't be shocked if he does have a little bit of rocky start. We saw Kodai Senga when he came to the Mets needed some time to adjust. Yes, his stuff was great. I mean, like, the ghost pitch that he had was incredible, but he did get bounced around a little bit. So I wouldn't be shocked if things don't totally go to plan in the first, honestly, the first season, um, or if he has a second season slump, things like that. Um, he does need some time to adjust. Now, moving on to another pitcher that the Dodgers did sign recently, Tyler Glass now. Um, so he was traded from the Rays for right-handed, star- right-handed starter, right-handed starter, Ryan Pepiat and outfield prospect Johnny DeLuca and Tyler Glasnow also did sign an extension for five years 136.5 million dollars so he does get traded and also signs an extension which is pretty nice um the trade did include Manuel Margot as well so he will be headed to the Dodgers from Tampa Bay and this is really good honestly I think not a lot of people focused on the Margot aspect to it but The Dodgers are moving Mookie Betts from the outfield to second base permanently because they figured out that he works better there, and it's honestly really good for the infield. Now, with that, they are left with Chris Taylor, Jason Hayward, and James Outman in the outfield. Adding Margot, who has a little bit of a, you know, veteran presence-ish, could be really good for them, and it it gives you a fourth person. Now, Tyler Glasnow did battle with a couple of injuries, but for the most part, he had a really good 2023 season. He ended with a 3.53 ERA, 162 strikeouts, 37 walks, 13 home runs, and 47 earned runs. So honestly, he was one of those bigger pitchers on the market this year, like amongst Blake Snell, um, Seth Lugo. So this is a really good signing for the Dodgers to add depth to that pitching rotation. So that's what I got on the Dodgers. Moving on, let's talk about Chris Sale, a Boston Red Sox legend there for the World Series. He leaves Boston. Now, he is traded to the Atlanta Braves for Vaughn Grisham. Um, So the Braves will only pay Sale $10.5 million in the 2024 season. Now, Chris Sale... I mean, come on, he's he's a veteran guy. He has is a seven-time All-Star, and he has put up a career stat line. He has had a 3.1 ERA in his career with 2,189 strikeouts. Definitely a world, like a star-stunning vet. In 2023, he pitched 102.2 innings. He had an ERA of 4.3. 125 strikeouts, 29 walks, 15 home runs, and 52 earned runs. Now, the bigger question around this is, does Chris Sale still have it? He had a 29.7 whiff rate tied with Kodai Senga last season. That's 20th best among starters. He also had a really good in-zone contact rate. He ranked 24th. He also had the 8th best chase rate amongst starters last season. More than 65% of his pitches went for strikes. And among all of that, he hasn't issued more than 2.5 walks per nine innings since 2011. So yeah, I mean, are there like questions? I mean, are there like little like things that spark up because Chris Sale is getting to that age? Yes, of course, because obviously we know that a 21-year-old pitcher is not going to perform the same as a pitcher who is in their late 30s, early 40s. But this is Chris Sale we're talking about, and he had a tremendous year last year. Coming to a new team, he may still have it, and I believe he does. So honestly, I think it's really, it's a good trade for the Braves. 
Now, for Boston, it also benefits them. They do get to fill in a hole at second base with Grisham. Um, they he, Grisham did struggle a little bit in the majors and has yet to play a full major league season, but he did do really good in AAA, which is something that the Braves definitely saw in him. He had 48 extra base hits and posted up a 0.921 OPS. His stats in the big leagues, he had 62 hits, 5 home runs, an average of 287, on-base percentage of .339, and an OPS of .746. So, a little bit rocky, but for the most part, he does add depth to that Boston Red Sox lineup, which they do need. So, yeah, that's that whole trade. I do think it's a win-win for both teams. Um, Obviously, there are some questions about Chris Sale, but I think it's going to be like just a see-how-it-goes kind of season, Um, but Hey, if he still puts up those same numbers as last season, I think the Braves should be in good hands. Moving on, let's talk about another trade. We have the Mariners who traded Jared Kalanick to the Atlanta Braves. And they also um, sent over left-handed pitcher Marco Gonzalez and first baseman Evan White. Now, the Mariners did receive right-hand pitchers Jackson Coar and Cole Phillips. And I do believe they also got cash. So, that was that trade. Um, Jared Kelenic is the second outfielder to leave. I think actually he's the third outfielder to leave the Mariners this offseason. Eugenio Suarez was traded to the Diamondbacks, and I'm pretty sure Teoscar Hernandez has hit free agency. Maybe he has gone to a team, but I do know that he's not going to be on the Seattle Mariners. So, that's that. Um, it is good for the Braves. They were in the market for a left fielder and rotation help, so Kelenic is definitely a big help. He did slug .501 last year, which is the highest in MLB history. Now, he did miss a chunk of time after breaking his foot. After that, he struck out 132 times out of 416 plate appearances, um, but he did put up pretty good numbers, and he doesn't hit free agency until 2028. Now, Gonzalez is coming off of surgery to alleviate some nerve issues in his arm, but before all of that, he did go 4-1 with a 5.22 ERA in 50 innings, so there is some potential. Um, but yeah, I think the Mariners, who I who is a team I will talk about later on in this episode, um, maybe do get the shorter hand in this, situa- in this trade negotiation, um, but the cash thing could be a really good objective in the future, hopefully. You know, maybe they're going to spend a little bit. We'll see. Uh, So yeah, moving on, the Cincinnati Reds and the Kansas City Royals are amongst one of the two teams, if not the only two teams, who are awake this offseason. I think that comes to a shock to everyone. Let's start off with the Cincinnati Reds, who have signed Jamar Candelario, Tucker Barnhart, Nick Martinez, Emilio Pagan, Buck Farmer, and Frankie Montas. They have spent money this offseason, but they are lacking in trades, which is a little bit surprising because I think they were a team that we saw was going to really be hitting that trade market, not really the free agency signings, but they have spent $102.25 million on free agent contracts so far this offseason, which is the fifth highest currently. So they are making some moves and adjustments to their team, which is something that I do like to see because I think they've been at the bottom of that barrel in the NL Central recently, and I think they're really hoping to get out because they do have a really good young core group of guys. So it'll be exciting to see, but I do think they are expected to trade Jonathan India I feel like he's not going to be a red come the 2024 season, um, but we'll see what happens with that. Now, could this just be a slacker pickup? 
maybe. The odds are high for that. And honestly, we won't know until really the middle of the season. Now, if you're thinking this is not going to do anything for a Reds team, which is still underdeveloped, I get it. I do. Because it's a young core group of guys, sprinkle in a couple of veterans. There's still a lot of holes in the rotation, especially. There's really no big starting pitcher. And if India goes, who's the big bat? Ellie De La Cruz? He's still a rookie, you know? So I think there are a couple of holes and it's going to be really a, a watching period for the Reds to see if they're actually being for real this 2024 season. And like I said, we won't know really until the middle of the season. But I do think that um, I like the approach that they're taking. I like that they're eager and they're willing to go out and spend money, which is nice because I could tell you, as a Cubs fan, there are some teams who aren't doing that. So, anyways, moving on to the other team who is really doing a lot of action this offseason. The Kansas City Royals have added Hunter Renfro, Seth Lugo, Will Smith, Chris Stratton, and Michael Waka. Now, their main focus this offseason was their pitching. And let me tell you, I think they did pretty good for that so far. For a team who ended 2023 in last place in the AL Central with a 56 and 106 record, their signings aren't that bad. Look at the AL Central is the weakest division in Major League Baseball. So I think the Royals are seeing that as an opportunity to go and get guys because they know that they do have a chance to come on top in this division and like the twins the twins who leaded this division and who won the division were just slightly over 500 the bare minimum so honestly i won't be surprised if the royals can make their way to the top i like what they're doing i like the action that they're taking and i do think they really do have a chance this 2024 season but like i said it might just be a toss-up like the reds um but yeah those are two teams who are currently attacking free agency and the offseason head on. Now, some teams who have hit hibernation this winter, we got five of them, I'm pretty sure. Now, let's start off with the Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles need pitching. What have they done so far? Signed Craig Kimbrell. Great. He's a good pitcher. He's a vet, right? No complaints, but that's about it. There is currently no quality starter on this team. John Means great pitcher, but he's returning from Tommy John. We've seen guys return from Tommy John and they don't pitch the same. You know, I'm not saying he won't, but I'm, there is a chance. But besides that, you don't have anybody else in that starting rotation who really sticks out. And this is a team who could, is on the verge to make a good run in the playoffs. They made the postseason last year, but their starters allowed 13 runs in eight in innings and three games. That's not the Baltimore team that I like to see. Go get Jordan Montgomery. Go get Blake Snell. Make a move for someone. They should have been in the talks for Otani. They should have been in the talks for Yamamoto. And they weren't. They got to go and get a pitcher. I just need one star pitcher on that team. And if you want to make a trade, a good trade would be Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns. Since they both at least have one year of control under them, that's a good trade that you could make. Because the Orioles do have a lot of prospects that they could offer. So... I need a really outstanding pitcher on this Orioles team so this postseason won't be as rocky as the last because I do think they have a chance to make it again. So that's what I need to see from the Orioles, but they're currently not doing anything. Now, let's move on to my home team, the team who I have no idea what's going on right now, the Chicago Cubs. 
what have they done this offseason? They've gotten a new coach. Craig Council came over from the Brewers. All right, that's a shocker. The Cubs weren't even in the talks to get Craig Council. They were a surprising team. It came out of nowhere. When I tell you the rush of adrenaline that came into Cubs fans when that news broke, crazy. Because that's an uncub-like thing to do, to be a sneaky team. That's not what we do. But when Jed did that, I tell you, oh, I just bounced my microphone. Cubs fans had a renewed sense of energy. And I loved that. Immediately, what went to my mind? All right, we're spending this offseason. We're going to get, guys, we're going to be head on in Otani. We're going to be head on on Yamamoto. Let's get back Cody Bellinger. Yup, he's coming back. What has happened ever since Craig Council has signed? Yeah, that's it. Crickets. Nothing. They are currently the only team in baseball that is not traded for a major leaguer or signed a major leaguer this offseason. Tyler Glass now is gone. Shohei Otani is gone. Yamamoto is gone. Those are three guys who would have honestly fit really good in Chicago. Was Otani a kind of a long shot? Eh, yeah. Yamamoto looked pretty clear to me. Tyler Glass now, I was ready to go get that jersey. But nothing's been going on. There are no talks. The only rumors going around is that they're in, they're one of the finalists for Cody Bellinger. The Cubs need to go get Cody Bellinger back. I mean, come on. The year he had last season at Wrigley, that was his comeback year. He renewed himself with the Chicago Cubs. Now, for him, was that a reset year? Yes. Did he really care about what team he went to? Uh, to an extent, right? He just wanted to get out of LA and wanted a new environment. I get it. And look at what he provided for the team. A good lefty bat. Cody Bellinger should be in a Cubs uniform come opening day. I should see him in that game against the Rangers. Go get Matt Chapman. We need somebody steady at third base. The Cubs currently have no one. You have Morrell, Master Boney, who could do a little bit of third base, but that's really not going to cut it. Chris Morrell, he's still young. Matt Chapman is a beast at third base. He is steady. He's like, he reminds me a little bit of Max Muncy. I get that vibe from him. He's like consistent, which is somebody you need at that corner. Now, the bullpen could use some upgrading. Could they get a starter? Hell yeah. Trade for Bieber or go sign Blake Snell. Tyler Glasnow should have already been in a Cubs uniform, but he's not. Okay, I accept. There's still some guys out there. Moving on, let's talk about the Houston Astros, who have signed Caratini, Victor Caratini, as a catcher this year and acquired Dylan Coleman. Now, what do they need to do? They need to get a bat. There's currently a hold in the outfield. Bellinger is on the market. Now, Bellinger is on, you know, a lot of teams are on his radar. Or a lot of teams have him on their radar. Altuve and... Altuve. <laughs> I'm sorry. Altuve and Bregman will hit free agency in about a year. So they could be saving for them, which makes sense. You know, they don't want to spend a lot of money this offseason because they probably want to make them Astros for life. But you still need a big bat out there. If you don't want to, if you didn't want to spend on Soto, fine. I get it. 
Or if you don't want to spend a lot in general, fine. That's fine too. But there's so there's like there's other guys. Jorge Soler, okay. You know, is he the star defender? Not really. But if you get 2021 Jorge Soler on the bat, you are good to go. So he could be an option for the Astros. Moving on, the Mariners. The Mariners have signed Mitch Garver, traded for Luis Arias, got a salary relief in trades. But what do they need? Bats. Another guy on their radar, Cody Bellinger. Another outfielder would be good for them because they just gave away a couple. Reese Hoskins, too, maybe make a trade for him. This Mariners team, I do believe, could be in the race this postseason. They have a lot of guys that have really excelled, and I think that they do have the potential to put themselves at a top-tier team. They just need to pull the trigger with a few signings in order to actually build a team to compete. They're really just on the tip and on the edge of everything. And I do think they could be competitive this season, but I, I gotta need a, I need a few more signings to be like super confident on that. The last thing, the last team I'm going to talk about, the Toronto Blue Jays. They have re-signed Kevin Kiermaier and they have signed Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. They are heavy on the talks with Bellinger. And honestly, it's looking like a perfect fit. He's a lefty bat and that's something that they need. He's, um, I mean, like a star outfielder. Like, have you seen that guy? Yeah. And imagine the outfield. Imagine the Toronto outfield with Cody Bellinger. I mean, home run robberies every single game. And the Jays do need a DH too. So it's honestly like a match made in heaven situation. Now, the Blue Jays are a team that have made a run at a few big guys. They were a heavy, heavy in the Otani talks. They were heavy in the Soda talks. They didn't win. But that does mean that they do have money to spend. If Bellinger is honestly all they get, then that's fine. Because that's that's their main focus. And their rotation is pretty much set. Their bullpen is too. So honestly, you get Bellinger. I think you're good for the season. They are also another team on the edge of a good postseason run. Those are the, I think that was five, teams who have not been doing have not been doing as much as we thought that they would. Now, it's still January. We have February left. We honestly, it's January 3rd. We have the rest of January left too. There's two months. If one of if I if one of your teams has not done anything, I, I get it. I really do. And I'm with you. You know, this is a free agent market that is limited. You know, it's not last season for sure. Um, And when you have a huge market team like the Los Angeles Dodgers swooping in, it's hard to compete against that. It is. So it is going to be a little bit tougher for some teams this season, but I would like to see a lot more motivation. Now with that comes the end of our episode. Thank you guys again so much for listening to the first episode of the Hit or Miss podcast of the year. I'm excited for spring training. I'm excited for opening day. I'm excited to see some games that are being played around the world. This is going to be a fun 2024 season and I cannot wait to start talking about it. Thank you guys again so much for listening to this week's episode and you will hear from me soon.